you're going to join me and Gary in a conversation that starts out with his internship as a spiritual care partner at a local hospital. And which ends up with us diving into the hearts and souls of of each other, but of, of people, of people who have nourished their own layer of topsoil. That's a metaphor that I came up with, asked something by Gary, and I hope that you stick around to listen to it because it really feels like a critical ingredient to a life well lived, to speak in the words of Frank. So join us. other recording but I forgot to put on this recording so then we should kind of start over because uh-huh. what's going on in your life Gary because <laughs> we got into something and then Gary was like you gonna record I was like oh shit yeah I am gonna record yeah so it has already shifted from our conversation um I am in a deep prayer with the universe. And it's taking the form of and opening a new one, which will be a rather full-time internship in spiritual care partnering, training, and service in the hospital, starting in September. And in that, I feel like everything about me, everything I held on to, everything about how I perceived the world and myself growing up has been shattered once again. And the sense of connection to something way beyond me, us, circumstance, is like the biggest banquet <laughs> that I have ever imagined or partaken of. And I've been to some banquets. <laughs> I can imagine. So the question I was asking when, Gary, 
told me I wasn't recording, was spiritual care. In Sweden, in the Swedish hospitals, I know that there's maybe a chapel or, you know, now and again here and there, but not, you don't see kind of priests or people who are doing that in the Swedish hospital that I know of, but, you know, from from watching Netflix and Hollywood movies and, and whatnot, it's it seems to be very common, at least in at least in the movies or TV series uh, world. But you are like non-denominational, right? Correct. So is that Interfaith. common? Interfaith, yeah. So it's yes. yeah. Is that common at all? Is or is like yeah, that's the thing, or no? It's really just starting. So. I don't have the fullest breath on the industry, if you will, but I'll answer from what I'm aware of. So historically, it has been that those with a religious affiliation have their rabbi or priest or minister, pastor, whomever, come and visit, you know, in the hospital or behavioral health situations or even in home care situations. That has migrated so that there are interfaith chaplain positions in hospitals that service people across all faiths or agnosticism or any any version of it. And depending on the hospital system, how many chaplains or spiritual care partners there are. Some hospitals that are bigger may have 40 on staff. Oh, wow. Uh, we have a number of hundreds of beds in this hospital system. There's one paid staff, one. The rest of us are volunteers, either clergy or lay ministers or pure lay people who enter an interfaith uh, program. And there are also chaplains specific to certain faith genres as well, Hinduism, Catholicism, you know, whatever it happens to be. So you have a mixture of it. But the core of the answer to your question is, yes, it's becoming more widespread to have interfaith chaplains on board. And there's a lot of administration and managerial perspectives being added. How do we bring more chaplains on, more spiritual care partners? Because of the... Um, you know, less recidivism that you have in terms of patients returning to the hospital, better outcomes of mm -hmm. healthcare procedures and all of that. So that is broadening. And that's where I'm also just learning what's really going on in that arena. And then you have, you know, in remote situations in the country, you have chaplains who service the wardens. So, you know, people who go out in deal with hunting accidents or, you know, any kind of thing out in, in the wilderness. There are chaplains specific to that as well. And then you have first responder chaplains who will show up on scene for that kind of emergency. I am not that, but we take handoffs from those groups once they are transported and uh, you know, in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. So it, to me, it's a growing uh, 
genre, a growing industry, a growing perspective on the possibility of it helping out. And it's not for everybody. I mean, I have been in patients' room where you introduce yourself and they go, not interested. But then it's my pleasure, if you will, to support them in that. Mm. You know, it's we're not selling a religion. We're not selling a theology. We're not selling a perspective. And I have to let go of everything about my religious perspective to greet a patient and be with them just where they are. And when that happens and when the patient goes there, similar to these kind of conversations, the most amazing personal connections, you know, emotional connections, human connections, and sacred connections open, even when a patient can't speak, even when it's only their eyes that can say anything, or even when they don't speak, you know, my language, or I don't speak their language, or even when I invite somebody to say prayers in their language and religion, you know, we could still be together and feel the presence of that. You know, the the presence cuts through genre, cuts through theology. It's it's a it's an amazing space. It's the most sacred space. So, how did you come to enter into this? I think it started thousands of years ago. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> And I think it really did. And so my experience is that I have awareness from lifetimes many thousands of years ago where I've been questioning, opening, wondering, being with other mystics and carrying that no matter what through hell and high water of lifetime after lifetime. And, you know, the troubles of humanity and wars and plagues and, you know, you name it. And it's like, now it's like, okay, the door's knocking again. It's like, your turn, the light's on, step out. <laughs> Come on in. No time like the present. The water's fine. Well, maybe not so fine, but you'll survive. <laughs> Um, so there's there's a metaphorical way to say it, but not I mean in part, but also the reality of I do feel it's come through past life stuff too. And I'll be glad to say more about that. I've never put that on tape before, but <laughs> Yeah, say more about that. So this may sound, or at least this is what I'm working through in saying things like this, or that I will say, it may sound grandiose or off kilter, certainly not logical. But I feel, and I'm not, I'm not, 
a religious person. I don't adhere to any religion and I don't dismiss them. You know, I honor them for what they are. So I'm not dismissing any of that. But again, as interfaith and just as who I am, I have to be able to hold all But I feel I have been deeply trained at the time of Christ. And I felt that when I was two, I felt that when I was eight, I felt that when I was 17, and it stayed with me, but it's like, okay. It kind of recedes. The rug of life just takes over. Here's what it is that I need to do that, you know, know, all the things that are supposed to be, to be a man, to be a worker, to be, you know, all, all, everything. And it's, there's, there's a lot more under that, but I feel that. I know that on some level. It's like, I can't ignore it. And the more I tune into it, the more it just continues to open. And whatever that training was, and when I step aside as the personality that I am, but still present, these sacred openings happen in patient rooms. Mm-hmm. So one thing that pops into my mind is you said that this is a position where you're there for, you know, patients and possibly next of kin and, and staff and, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine everywhere having this like possibility to kind of check into or dock onto a listener. There's this free hugs uh, movement, people standing around with free hugs signs. You can go up and get a hug now, Corona type, maybe not the best idea, but there's also the free listening signs. Caspian has done that. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of, you know, you, you stand out in the square, whole, you know, town square and just a sign saying, I'll listen to you. So there's, there's something here that just yesterday or the day before, um, I shared a little video snippet from me and Maike where I speak about how she listens to me and how that makes me feel so seen, so heard. And I shared something about that asking, you know, on Twitter, asking, um, have you felt this? Have you experienced this? You know, who in your life listens to you like this? And a young Indian guy responded saying, no one, I've never been listened to like that. And I went, whoa, (laughs) 
Okay. You know, it's like, have you listened to anybody else that way? And do you listen to yourself that way? Because you actually can listen to yourself that way too. Um, but but just his response, just this short, I've never been listened to like that, just made me go, ooh, <laughs> I think that is very, very common. And that, you know, it's like it chafes and it kind of hurts and it's like there's some type of energy that just wants to go, ugh, I want to get it off of me, away from me. He's like, that is It's probably not in the human rights, but it kind of should be in the human rights. <laughs> right? It, it's, it's how the body is built. It's in our existential fabric. So it's, to me, it's even deeper than the establishment of a right for. I mean, you're saying it fine and accurately, but it's it's even deeper than that. It's it's we're built of that connection, built of that fabric. And you and I spoke the last time with how things land with each other, and how you offer that, and I offer that same thing. I'm reminded of other people who do this, like Allison. You know, she has, she is an exquisite presence in listening, same thing. And to me, all trauma, human trauma, comes from exactly what we're talking about, not being listened to at the depth, at the way, at the presence, at the being with that we are speaking about. All trauma comes from it. And when anything about ourselves is listened to at that level, it's got a place. It doesn't mean, okay, so I'm feeling whatever, anger or hatred or something severe, if you will, or what we typically consider negative. But if that can be listened, that's that's an extreme form of not having been listened to. But even if in that extreme form, it can be listened to and have a place, it begins to soften, it begins to open. It begins to be heard and begins to heal or resolve and get back to the origins of where that trauma originated. And, and I, it reminds me of a woman that I spoke with years ago when I was living in Seattle who was approached at gunpoint. And, and so it was a long time ago, so I don't have all the specifics, but what she said was that, in effect, she held this sense of connection, being listened to at an extremely skillful mm -hmm. and deep level. And a conversation ended up ensuing. The gun was put down. Now, that's perhaps an unusual version of it because not everybody receives being heard. And it reminds me of the movie Dead Man Walking. I don't know if you ever saw that. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I read the book as well. Yeah. But the last scenes where the nun had been doing that listening to the inmate. And finally he opened and converted 
and was released in his pain and discomfort and not having been heard and in whatever you know tragedy he had caused. Incredible, incredible scene. Mm -hmm. And I think we each are dead men, dead women walking, if you will, wherever we have not been heard. And so to offer that, as you do, you know, as Allison does, as other people do, as I try to, wow, does that bring about something different among people? Yeah. So, in, uh, I probably said this before, when I did Supercoach Academy 2014, we were in New York City for the Connection Weekend, and Michael Neal said, connection is already there, you don't have to create connection, that's the, that's the base, that's already there, like, Okay, start from that point rather than here's these two entities and we have to create connection. No, it's there, which was quite, I had a couple of epiphanies that weekend that were like, you know, shook me to the core. Um, and <laughs> acknowledging that because I I truly sense that, I truly have this sense of of kind of like the the there's a meme of or you know of of two small islands with a palm tree on it it's like it looks like they're separated but if you go beneath the the surface of the water you know ground is connecting them right it's just the tips of these mountains that kind of stick out if you would take away the water you'd see that oh yeah it's connected right so, but I can experience that now and again, too, with people where I don't, that I don't particularly, you know, I don't vibe with. There's no resonance. There's no sense of, oh, here's, you know, that that little uh, energetic pull. It's like, mm, maybe there's indifference from me or there's, you know, it might even be, no, I'm going to walk the other way because I really don't, right? Does that happen for you when you're doing the spiritual care thing? And if it does, what do you do? How are you with that in that? So I'll start with the front of what you said and then get more specific to the question. So even when you're experiencing a relative turnoff with somebody, that's still connection. Yeah. It's not that pull. It's not perhaps a heart opening or an arrows opening or any of that, which is more enjoyable, more attractive, more... Uh, Sought after. Yes, excellent, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's still a resonance. It's still... Mm -hmm a coherence that's telling you something. No, I don't want to be with that person. So the connection is there. Mm -hmm. 
And your body, your mind, your heart, you know, all of you is saying, no, let's, let's not do that one. Not for me. And then, to, again, more specifically to the question, it reminds me of one patient who was a gentleman of my neighborhood who was always causing a ruckus, you know. Something was all, he was a farmer, so I live out in a country, you know, country area. He's a farmer. His cows were already always getting loose. Some hunter was always bothering him. And he was always yelling at me. Because he thought I was doing something to his animals. And, and I wasn't. So we had sort of set up this antagonistic relationship. And so one day in doing the rounds, you know, I don't know, I just get a list, you know, the way this is done, I just get a list, the patient's name, if they've claimed a religion, age, how many days they're in the hospital, but I didn't know anything, you know, and I don't need to know anything else. But I did recognize the name. It's like, what do I do? It's like, I'm going to put off my personality. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to walk in and be for, there for him. And we had the most amazing conversation. I mean, he's was very sick, an older gentleman. But we ended up, he, he didn't want me to leave. And he ended up stopping by here afterwards and brought me a gift or two in appreciation for the time I had spent with him. And so, so that's one where I had the resistance mm -hmm. and I had to, to get around it. There are others where you, I can't get around it. You know, it's, I still go in to offer, but somebody is just going for them. It's like, no, you don't fit for me. Whether it's your religion, because you're a guy, or because you're a white man, or whatever it happens to be, you don't fit. But again, I have to honor them. And the best, the, the gifts that I can give, the listening that I could do, the being heard that I could do, is when a you know, patient says, please get out of my room. Yeah. I can support them in that. And it may be that I have to process that later. Mm. You know, it hurt, or there was something that came up for me. I have to do my homework. But in the moment, no, it's being present, having that land within me to respond in a way that supports the patient. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, when I do coaching, mm -hmm. I always have a conversation beforehand because I'm auditioning for them and they're auditioning for me. It's like I want the pull to be there, right? Because if I'm feeling, oh, no, it's like I won't be a coach mm -hmm. for, you know, I won't be good for them. I won't, you know, it's like, nah. Um, but, but I mean, hearing you speak, it's like I, I'm honoring also that 
That's not all situation. In a coaching relationship, the way that I've set up my coaching practice, which is a small part of what I do, mm-hmm. but is always kind of, there's that gateway, this gateway of do we, you know, is there a pull here? Is there something here that both of us say, ooh, can I get some more of that, please? Yes, you can. Here's the deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um but but for you and and i mean you know as a teacher you'll you'll get kids where you get that pull and you'll have kids where you don't have the pull and you have to step into your professionalism right and and do what you say is like okay i need to be a teacher for them regardless or mm-hmm. as a a caretaker you know a doctor a nurse whatever it's like here's the Here's the patient in front of me. This is what I do. And it reminds me of a couple of things. One, you had mentioned quite a while back a conversation you had, I believe, with with walking with a, a, a friend. I don't remember the specific content at this moment, but even in walking with her, you held that space for her to be heard. So you created, you opened, you provided the container, if you will, for the invitation for. So I hear you in terms of coaching, you know, you're opening and providing that container. And if somebody walks into it, all the better in a, in a sense, because then you have that intermutual resonance, as I call it. And there's there's a this is what I'm practicing is meeting people where they are. And again, you do this well, others do this well, but it reminds me of one of my mentors who I just have read about, you know, I wish I had known this person, Milton Erickson, who was a, he was a psychotherapist, um, I think in the 1900s. I don't know all the details, but he, he was um, in a wheelchair. He's a paraplegic of sorts. Again, I don't know his whole history and you know, pardon those who are listening who may have a deeper version of that could add to this. But it reminds me of one time when he was a teacher. So he was a professor teaching a class and, you know, there was an assignment due. There was this one know-it-all in class. He couldn't learn anything. Milton Erickson wasn't about to teach him anything. He was causing at least an energetic, if not, you know, a, a more broad interruption in class. So the the format for this particular assignment at the time was when people were leaving, Milton was standing at the door, people would put their whatever theme paper or, you know, lesson that was due on, you know, on his hand or on his desk, you know, so that he was collecting them. And this troublemaker turned in a blank sheet. So Milton, you know, being so exquisite at meeting somebody where they were, said, you forgot to sign and date that. And he took it back and then the next week turned in the most exquisite, mm. the most, you know, uh, uh, exquisite uh, assignment from anybody in the class. And for the rest of the class, you know, they became partners. You know, he was able to learn and have that space that you talk about. So that trick of, meeting at the most cellular level or most granular level is a real fascinating thing for me. 
And you have to deal with your own stuff to get to that. It's like, no, with all of me, it's like, ah, I don't want to talk to you. But it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I could open that door. And again, this, this is the broader sense back to that connection is already there. We are built of that. How do we open it? How do we come into an understanding of it? And also, you know, also kind of recognizing that the more people I have around me, the more that I'm in a community or a setting or, you know, gatherings of people where I feel this pull, where I am energized because I am seen, I am heard, I am honored, I'm respected, I am, you know, loved and and, and kind and held. The more of those I have, I've I've kind of stocked up on energy, right? So that I can handle the other. And if I if 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 I if if it was the other way around, that I was so deprived of of that soul level nourishing connection, um, and and f- you know a day filled with these repulsive, um, you know the energy that goes right uh, opposite rather than towards. Mm-hmm. You know, give me another one of those and I'll just break down and cry, right? It's like, no, I can't take it anymore. So also kind of seeing how you, I I do have a lot of responsibility, ability to respond to my settings, to my communities, Who do I spend time with and why? So that I give myself this thing that nourishes me, that that makes me able to, you know, dance with the people who are like, oh yeah, where, like you say, where all of that shit inside of me can just go bubbling up. Because I can, I think that's, this is, that is one of the reasons why I so have loved being on Badoo since the end of March, right? Because I come up against people and all sorts of stuff come up in me, right? It's like a lot of stuff. If I wasn't in a in kind of a good bunny ears place, mm-hmm. it would easily have been too much for me. But as it is, it's like I'm taking these opportunities. It's like candy. It's like, give me another one, please. <laughs> Can mm-hmm. I have another yeah. piece of chocolate? You know, because mm-hmm. what's going to be in this one, right? Because um, I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm resourced. And nourished in that resource. Yeah. And, and there's a couple things of what you just said I'd love to point out. One is that when you receive at that level, you don't just want to glutton with it, but you are generous outwardly. You are resourced, as you say, to give outwardly. Mm. 
And I think that's hidden from most people because we're traumatized out of that realization. When I receive deeply and resourced and healed, you know, other words that could be used for that, guess what happens? I want to be loving. I want to care about my people in my life or my neighbors or the environment or the situation, whatever it happens to be. And when you don't get it, no, you don't have that resource. You know, you're in this defense mode all the time. And too many times I feel we are guilted, this is a general statement, out of going after and receiving exactly what you just said. Oh, no, I have to be able to handle so-and-so, you know. They're tough, but oh, no, I'm not this, I don't fit the bill or whatever genre or perspective or rule or regulation if I don't subject myself to fill in the blank. Somebody else needs it more. Yeah, yeah. is also of one those, of those. Yeah, any of it's those like, versions. Really? Oh, I'm not going to be a good boy, girl, whatever, husband, wife. No. But so, so the permission to do exactly what you're doing, you know, to to nurture yourself, to eat foods that are appropriate for you, to be in relationships that are appropriate, you know, to breathe healthy air. <laughs> That's how we're built. The connection to that is already there. And love happens after that. Love happens with them. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's I, I don't know why, but John O'Donoghue in uh, the On Being episode that he has with, with Krista Tippett, mm-hmm. speaks about beauty and speaks about um, how inner city kids, you know, if, if, you sh- if you help them see the beauty in their inner city lives, there is beauty there too. Right? It's like, it's not, you don't have to be in the magnificent like mountain areas to have the vistas of this and that you know there's there's beauty to be had and in lots of in in everything really and I was reminded about Matthew Ward Bain's Instagram or his 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 imagery where he often has the most amazing pictures of of buildings of a window of a, a broken down, rusted car, you know, and it's just gorgeous. Um, so again, this, this, and I wonder if this is also one of those things that, well, helps to nourish that aspect of like seeing the beauty, being, being, because it's like, it's kind of like connection. It's there. Yeah. Right? It's there, but am I seeing it? Am I tuned into it? There's some photographer who takes these like aerial imagery of industrialized things. It's like oil spills or, you know, industrial um, areas of like factories, you know, row after row after row after row. But, But he takes the images in such a way that it's just gorgeous and you kind of go 
wait, no, it's like that's tanky spam, right? Through and through. Because it's like, here's this oil spill, but it's dropped it gorgeous. How can, you know, it's like, eh. <laughs> um, so there's beauty as well as connection. Yeah. Well said, yeah. And and to Matthew's work, you know, some of all of it, and I'm particularly thinking of one where just a mundane building, you know, old, dilapidated, you know, at a street that was vacant and had the, the you know, the white lines and the road and all of that, but the play of light, mm. the coloring of light, the symmetry of light, you know, the crystal, in a certain sense, patterning of light. I mean, I had to look at it to to see that. But once I saw it, you're right. It's like, wow, what an exquisite picture. What an exquisite art and subtlety and nuance and level of self to bring to bear. And it also reminds me of how many times about ourselves do we not see that beauty? And like I had a board meeting for my school last night and it, it was the real exercise in vulnerability for me, it, you know, new opening. And I could concentrate, oh, look where I fell down or look where I didn't say, you know, something exquisitely or whatever. But yet the beautiful moments of showing up and of others responding to that, it's like, wow, if I were to measure according to the structure of every one of my sentences or how many, you know, tens that we each hit in terms of, wow, is that the best throughput ever? You know, we would have missed it. But the exquisite connection and intellect and sharing and support was there. And, and so many times, you know, in Western culture, at least, who, you know, who's got the biggest car, who's got the brightest fill in the blank, you know, the Gucci bag, as I always say. Nothing wrong with those things. But what else is going on with you? You know, where's the other real beauty? Let's get back to that. And you, you offer that, you give that, you share that. You offer the space to, for others to be received, and you give that. Even in talking about shame or anything that's more difficult to speak about. The beauty in that. The sheer flower of it. Which many cannot recognize because they're too uncomfortable or too unresolved or too traumatized. And not making that wrong, we all have that. But yeah, that beauty within, within each other, within the normal, simple, everyday occurrences. And it even reminds me, you know, I have houseplants around. And at times in these kind of conversations, when you're connected, energized, brightened with it, the plants dance. I mean, their light, their energy, their emanation, you know, the, the sacredness or the divinity, however you want to say that, the livingness of them, the fabric of light in them, just as like, Boom. <laughs> it's like, you know, I can get tears in my eyes. 
so the, the simple things to recognize that to your point you know how do we get back to that 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 awareness that recognition of beauty and what a restoration that could be mm-hmm. in the inner city or the outer city or in creating resources to help out in whatever situation and that comes through in the hospital rooms with patients i mean patients on their deathbed hours from dying and if i just were to look at that and and claim any tragedy or or just be with the pain or grief of that but not see the light in their eyes not see the gift of them wanting to give their life lessons and learnings and what they've done with their lives and you know what they gathered of the fruits of living to their family or to me yeah you'd miss it even there And again, I'm reminded of the gifts that you bring and have always brought in terms of sharing in a very vulnerable way and opening up because we all have similar, if not identical things, but opening up that space for others to go, yeah, I've got that too. Thank you. I feel met just by you sharing yourself as well. Which is interesting. There was somebody on Twitter the other day saying that I can't believe you guys are sharing so much personal stuff and kids and this and that and the other thing. It's like, hey, come on. And I was, I thought about that and I responded saying that, first of all, there's a difference between personal and private. So say more. What do you, what well, do you mean? Well, there's, there's a layer where I can be very personal, but I'm conscious about what's private. That's like a deeper layer, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and whenever I now today share something about my kids or my family and stuff, it's always after I've asked and received consent. It's like, can I share this picture? Can I write this thing? Can I do, you know, it's like I, I give my kids. And it's not often anymore. So if you look at like my Facebook feed or, or Instagram feed and kind of go back to the beginning of it, yeah, there's a shift. There's a definite shift as, as I've grown more kind of conscious of what, because I can choose to share me. Mm-hmm. But if I choose to share them, maybe they didn't want that, right? So there's that. So I, you know, it's like, yeah, you're you're right in that sense that there's a lot of sharing Mm-hmm. Um, that that I you know it's like I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just it's something to to consider, right? Just think about it. But but I also said that I am so helped by me sharing my personal stuff that I wouldn't be half the person I am today if if I kept it in. Because because here's the thing, I kept everything in. That's my experience of it. I kept everything in up until 20, soon to be 22 years ago, 
you know, it was the the end of August 1999 when my then husband called and broke up with me. That thing when I was super pregnant. Mm-hmm. I had kept everything in until then and I decided I don't want to, I can't. So mm-hmm. knowing that I am so helped by me sharing. I am so helped by somebody saying me too or saying oh, now I understand how that could feel. Or, you know, it's like the, the mirroring I receive, the responses I receive, the, the kind of the relief or release in somebody else going, oh, I thought I was alone in that. No, you're not because, you know, nobody ever is. But we think we are because we don't share, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I say that. I, and, and I think what... My personal that I share is probably private to a lot of people. It's like there's no way I'd share that stuff, right? And but that's something that I, you know, it's like I've it's kind of when you're growing in the garden, you kind of, you know, you want to increase the the topsoil uh depth right the more the more the more you know you do composting and bukashi and you do this and that and you you care for all of the the microbiome and the little worms and whatnot and it increases in size in depth and its ability to hold water to hold nourishment to sustain life increases as it is increased right Beautiful, so, metaphor, beautiful. Yeah, and it's like that is that is my sharing of me. How I do it, where I do it, it's like you know that's up to each and every one. The way I do it has really worked well for me because I can tell you that layer of mine is way deeper now than it was ten years ago or five years ago. It's like it's still kind of an exponential curve there. And. and- could you say more about how you chose where to build that soil? Because I think that that is really key. I know for somebody, for instance, you know, I grew up very traumatized because I was so sensitive to all of the subtleties of what we're talking about relationally. So I didn't have a skill until later in life of building that soil. And I'm still learning how to build that soul. And I would love to hear some more depth in terms of, well, how did you choose? Do you just, you know, how do you choose that? Is there already some soil there? Or do you find a rock outcropping and go, hi, no, there's soil that I could put here and start building it, which may be true, but could take a while. (laughs) It can take a while, yeah. yeah. Interesting question. I don't I don't experience myself as ever having had no topsoil. It's like mm-hmm. I haven't been that deprived. I haven't been that um malnourished or whatever you know it's like there's always it's always been there and actually in in a 
therapy session with Dominic two, two, three weeks ago, we spoke about this, about the ability to find the others, the ones that could nourish me, see me, honor me. It's like, if I look back, yeah, it's there. I can see it, right? I can see instances, individuals where here I can, it's kind of like the, the eye of the, of the storm, you know, it's like, you can go in there and, and it's restful, it's quiet, it's, you know, here I can collect myself. So. Mm. But, uh, but I, mm. I have a, um, it's like, I've come to a point where it's not just me, you know, throwing out a bucket of bukashi, uh, fermented and lovely leftover vegetables and, and fruit peels and whatnot to nourish all of the, the microbiome and the, and the little wormies in my soil. It's friends too, right? So it's like, and, I, and that is something that I don't necessarily think I can sense I had before. Pre-Helena, post-Helena. It's like, and it took some time for that to happen. But I think, was it we who were asking about this, about asking for help? It's like, mm -hmm. I asked for help, mm -hmm. right? And that is one way of, of when I receive that help, that's one way to build that layer of soil. Um, and it's like, it's an ask that that's an invitation. And, and people who then say, yeah, sure, help me to build that. But then... Words, words are one of the ways that I, it's one of the ingredients of my topsoil. You know, it's like with mm -hmm. words, I, I tend to it. I, I, you know, it's like, maybe there's this, this, like you say, there's this, rock hard piece of, of soil that's just it's compact there's no air going in or out there's no worms that can you know make a dent on it it's like it's 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 not there it's like the words help me the therapy helps me the, these types of conversations help me. it's like you know Somehow you can you can get a little thing into these things. Not, you know, it's not drilling like you're doing when you're, you know, the, the rock face, you need to blow it away because you're going to make a road here. It's like, no, that's not at all the sense. But it's more this sense of, of, of inviting whatever is hidden and trapped inside this thing to kind of come join the parties. Like, this is where the fun is. It's like, you know, you want to have a little wormy going in through you. And, you know, it's like, so there's, and, and, I, yeah, for me, words are really important. The, the, mm -hmm. you know, the, I can get a lot of that from just pure energy too. Words is also energy, but you know, it's like just the connection. 
But the words are kind of where, you know, it's like, it's my field. It's like, oh, I love them, right? It's like, I play with them. I use them to, to create, to, to, and to discover. It's like I can put a phrase together and go, ha, I had no clue. It's like, was that in this little lump of soil? It's like, yeah, apparently. It's like, oh, that's so fun, right? But it's like it's it's a constant building though. If you if you would you build the topsoil, if you then leave it, well, erosion will come and you know take it away and rains, you know, so so it's a constant the me and, and Dominic in our last session Monday, he spoke about Verwaltningswesen, which was fun. So in a sense, the spirit, the inner spirit that helps tend to you, helps care for you. It's like this. And it's like, it's that. You need to have that. It's it's a constant. And it's like you say when you said you were in, I don't know what you say, with the universe. It's like, it's not me. It's like there's there's a lot of those little spirits. Some come from me, some come from you, some come from Dominic, some come from I don't know who it all comes from and what it all comes from, right? But it's like, yes, please come here and play with me. Help me tend to this soil. And now and again, I need a little bit more nitrogen. Now and again, I need a little bit more something else, right? I love that metaphor. And it's more than a metaphor. I, I love it. And it's curious, too, when you say you've always had a little bit of topsoil. Yeah, I dare say in my life, at least I felt I had no topsoil within me. I mean, I was that traumatized, if you will. So I had to spend many, many years touching what you just said, that spirit, that broader spirit within and building a soil within me. Mm-hmm. And just to share that that's, for me at least, was a necessary starting place to really build the supportive soil, you know, the fertile soil that you're speaking about in a broader sense, relationally that continues that nurturance, but from a relational perspective. And it's also interesting, I love the metaphor, for instance, in walking in a patient's room. Because, you know, again, I could be called into, you know, could be requested, but many times, you know, you're doing rounds, so you're just knocking and asking. But it's like I have split seconds to build that soil. And, and I love that. I never would have come up with that. And if I can't find a way that builds the soil that, you know, the patient can relate to, I'm out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when that's built, um, you know, again, exquisite things happen. But that's a beautiful way to, you know, I'm extrapolating, you know, how do I approach relationship or meeting somebody where they are? How can I build a soil where they want to be, you know, plant themselves into? 
or plant part of them or plant some of their words or emotions or whatever. I love that. Yeah, and it makes me realize I've been thinking a lot about seeding and I've been speaking about seeding for a long time, for many years. And Caspian mm -hmm. the other day wrote something about planting thought seeds and I went, ooh, but you're right. The soil has to be there, right? So in essence, and I haven't seen this before, but, but you know, I could just throw out thought seeds, right? But, but, but there's more to it. If, you know, I want my little thought seeds to land in good soil, right? I want them to have the opportunity to sprout, to grow, to, to grow into something to shed new little thought seeds, right? It's like, so So I haven't thought about the about soil that way, but it's it really, really makes sense. It really makes sense. Yeah, I love it. And it's it's like soil in and of itself is like, you know, it's just this amazing thing teeming with life. You know, just you wouldn't believe the amount of, of fungi in like a little, little square centimeter of soil. It's like it's gazillions of, of fungi and 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 microbes of various kinds is like just amazing and i i remember it because somebody was writing to me saying that actually being in and with soil is so nourishing you know it's like and i i remember listening to a podcast two years ago probably or a year ago a year and a half mm -hmm. of they had checked the health or well-being of Tanzanian women, women from Tanzania and women in the U.S., where women in the U.S., you know, much more prevalent with skin conditions and a poor digestive microbiome and, you know, it's like malnourishment even though you're living in the land of plenty, you know, and all of this thing. And the ladies in Tanzania who, who you know, from the looks of it, doesn't live a rich life, but boy, their skin, whew, glowing, you know, because of microbiome, right, that they get from the soil. Their gut, mm, perfect health, you know, able to tend to whatever you put in your mouth, right, because, ooh, we can work with this. Um, so, so, like, literally... It is life-giving. And it's fascinating that you bring up skin because right before you brought that up, I was thinking of another conversation in terms of how nurturing skin can be, touch, being with. And I never also associated that with the health of the body in terms of biome and how much more attractive that skin is to want to be touched or, you know, to be attracted to, to be nurtured by that touch. You know, a, a whole 
that internal soil, you know, the biome, but the external soil of what the skin is in terms of relationally what that can be. It melts me. <laughs> it reminds me of the man from the Ivory Coast that I hooked yeah. up with a couple of years ago. His skin. Oh, God. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Now, I, I will never say, oh my gosh, you might you must have a beautiful biome. But but but, but, but yeah. The same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just kind of I've been I've been pondering this about, you know, in these days of, of COVID and and antibacterialism. Um which is kind of weird because it's a virus. It's not a bacteria, right? But it's like, okay, so it's disinfectants. Like, we're killing off a lot of good stuff. It's not, you know, it's like, ooh, I, I, I wonder about that. I wonder about how healthy it is long term because we're killing off a lot of good stuff that we need to thrive that help us build our soil, that, you know, it's like, that keeps us nourished. Yeah. So here's a curious question that comes up in that brief pause. And I'll ask it, I don't know if it's, it's directionally correct or not, but so what's in your heart as you say all of this, as we speak about this? You ask the most interesting questions. So what is in my heart right now is energy. It's movement. It is open. It is not closed. It is not contained. It is not... Um, It is not wanting to go in, it is wanting to go out, right? So and it's it's like it it's it is that type of invitation. It's that type of energy. It's like it's not intruding on other people. It's like gently knocking on the door saying, "Hey, you want to dance?" And people can say, no, I don't want to dance. It's like, okay, I'll go knock on the other door, right? It's like, I don't, I don't put my foot in the door saying, no, you have to dance with me. It's like, it's not that. It is just this, okay, I'll go knock on the other, you know, next door. See if anybody here want to dance with me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Let's dance, right? So it's that type of, of, of energy, and it, it makes me, it's like, 
it's not an airy fairy energy. It's like it's it's rooted to. It's like you know, there's it's substance. It's sustenance. It's 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 life forcey. You know, it's like filled with life, filled with life. Thank you for sharing that, both energetically and with words. And it's curious to think about all of that as fertility, soil and fertility and seeding and growth all simultaneously. And in the moment I asked as well, I was experiencing your heart is pure light energy and openness and invitation and vulnerability and joy and all the things that you mentioned. Well, my version, or at least, you know, that I had in my awareness of what you had mentioned. And so I mentioned that because there's also, as I've said to you before, I want more of that too. <laughs> And it is, you know, back to the, there is always connection. So if I'm perceiving that or I'm having some type of connective experience to be able to say what I just said, and that is there, that is present, that is available, that is shareable, that is able to be developed, nuanced, encouraged, uh, brightened, fortified between people, within ourselves, yes, and between people. And I want to jump into hearts like that all over the place and have people who know how to swim in that jump into mine too. And the seeding that takes place, you know, the fertility, the, in, the nurturance, both ways that takes place. It's like, let's, let's jump in. <laughs> let's, do let's do this thing. <laughs> and, and it's amazing how energetic it is for me, you know, initially. But of course, then there's, you know, relationally speech, you know, all the things that we're sharing as well. But it's just like, wow, that connection, that presence, that ability to feel and experience each other at that level of nuance in the heart is there. And so many people are, are not tuned to that. And this is not casting aspersions. And I would love to, let me say it differently, I would love to see more people tuned into that and able to dance in that space. But I also want to go, oh, how do we help people who may want to open more, you know, and nurture that within them? And the question is with me, what happens when we do that in a more global sense, you know, community in a more global sense? What happens to relationship? What happens to nations? And what happens to how we relate to our earthly biosphere? I'm all about that. <laughs> And I, you know, to add to that, if I might, I, I want people to see that in me too. 
I want to be recognized in that appropriately, not grand in grandiosity. It's like I want my waters to be touched and swum in. Yeah. And they are. Yeah. Just they are. know that they are. <laughs> like most definitely. Most definitely, Gary. You are. You know, he's like, you are so fun to be with in this way, because even though you're, you know, in one sense, you're like 60 centimeters away from me on the screen. In another sense, you're half a globe away from me sitting in your uh, home. And, and in one sense, you're right here in me, right? So he's like, it's it's... And, and again, like I said last time, we, you, you kind of, you know, you got me when you read that poem about the volcano. It's like, oh yeah, I'm diving into his heart right now, <laughs> right? It's like, so it's not, yes, we have now been Zooming for, you know, a year, a little bit more than a year even, I think. It's like, yeah, of course that helps. It's like, I know I can just come diving in and you'll join me, right? It's like, I don't have to knock on the door because I know it's open, right? It's like, the door is not closed, step in. You know, that that standing invitation is kind of there. But it's so fun to see that you don't have to have that buildup. You know, it's like, you can dive into somebody to start with because the connection is there. And if, you know... It's possible to have these deeply, deeply intimate experiences like like that. Um, and, okay, so here's a thought. Mm -hmm. That I would say, I will say it like this, that is much easier with people who have a rich topsoil level or layer, right? Yes, yeah. It is easier. It's not impossible to create that same thing with somebody who has a very diminished one. It's not at all impossible, but it sure is easier if, if there's a rich layer there. Well said, yeah. And you kind of get, you know... Once you kind of get into the swing of this topsoil thing, it's like you can tell. I was speaking to somebody else today um, who I met on Twitter. Um, and we were speaking about elders uh, inspired by Stephen Jenkinson is his name, I think. Coming of Age is a brilliant book. But it's like... I told him, because we were speaking about elders, which is something other than old people. Two different concepts, right? But, but I told him that when I read that book, I was kind of, you know, um, I, I was validated in my sense that, yes, I have elders around me. And now mm -hmm. thinking about it, it's like, oh, 
here's a person with a great layer of topsoil. I'm going to get that one. It's like, it, that is what I see there in them. It's, it's this rich topsoil, the nourishment that is there. And you kind of can get really good at finding that. And it's, it's a beautiful metaphor, again, in connection to our last conversation, you know having a place to land, having a place to put your seeds, whether they're thoughts or emotions or ideas yeah. or pure joy, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Have that also. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm going to do today? What? I have my sister meeting me down by the by the nude beach. Uh, we're gonna have. She's made. Uh, she's bringing food, and I'm bringing me. Uh, mm -hmm. And we're gonna sit because it's it's almost twenty four degrees outside, which is twenty five fifty. It's eighty eighties in the eighties uh, Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, it's like speaking about topsoiling it, right? It's like, oh, um, yeah, mm -hmm. that is and also a way to, to, to keep that layer deep and it, rich. It, it's curious for me. In experiencing this mutual fertilization, if you will, of topsoil, that I can feel, or that my body neurology at a very deep level is also feeling that. I don't mean to sound clinical from the you know beauty of the conversation and the words and the metaphors. But it's like the intrinsic quality of my neurology is going, now I can get back to business. Now I can do something I wasn't able to do or was being hindered or not as effluent with uh, my own livingness, my own physicality, my own life force without having this nurturance. And I love that too. When I could be touched, when I am touched, mm -hmm. and hopefully touching at that level as well. And then when we could blossom physically and energetically as who we are at the, those kind of deep levels, who knows what's next? Mm. Who knows what comes out of that? Who knows what growth comes from that? Or what flowering? Or what swimming? Or what dancing? Or what joyous food or conversation you might have with your sister? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> what a meal. What a meal. Yeah. Rich and exquisite. Thank you, Gary, for being in my life. I love, love, love you. And I love having you.
I love you too. And same. <laughs>